this is just welcome to under the blanket and this is your host baba here love and you know listeners every moment in your life was not this moment it was all leading up to this moment now is the now and we are under Miraji's blanket of grace deep in his heart broadcasting for your awakening and today is an episode where i have a special guest my uncle b and his name is bruce Hulse, and he's in he is an international model supermodel uh especially during the 1980s he wrote an amazing book and uh he's into spiritual awakening so uncle bruce good to have you on the show thank you eric so tell us a little bit about how you got into spiritual awakening. Okay, so that's a very long story, but I would say uh, back when I was in high school, I had a bad experience with some uh, LSD, and it threw me into a depression. Uh, my parents, of course, took me through the normal outlets to try to deal with it, um, and nothing seemed to work. It was more of a, had thrown me into an existential crisis of who am I, where am I, what's this all about, and just an ongoing sense of dread and anxiety. Anyway, I, I, one day over at my girlfriend's house, I picked up a copy of the Philadelphia Magazine. There was an article about this uh, yoga teacher. It was in 1969. So it was a yoga teacher, Amrit Desai, uh, uh, who later went on to found uh, Kripalu in Massachusetts. Um, and he was teaching yoga classes and the articles about yoga and peace of mind and all that and he was teaching at this church down in Germantown uh, certain nights of the week so I immediately got the address and the next class I drove down there and and just entered the class uh, and he became my first teacher we did a lot of basic asana basic uh, uh, pranayama uh, some talk on diet and so on and so forth um, yeah, so that was my introduction, and uh, the, uh, it certainly balanced me right out and got me over that hump of depression and anxiety and sort of gave me a vision of what I wanted my life to be, and one thing I knew is that I wanted to be happy and fulfilled and not be in that state of misery before, so as... Um, Jack Cornfield says there's different gateways into your spiritual awakening, and one is a path, uh, gateway of pain or suffering. So I think that was my, my initial gateway. Yeah, I've had other people on the show that suffering was a big part of their awakening, and it pushed them through. I want to give my perspective on that, what you went through. Um, sometimes when someone takes a psychedelic and they're not ready for it, uh, you know, psychedelics create, destroy ideas that, that people have of themselves, what they think they know, what they think they are, 
their ego identity, their identity with their body. And if a person's not ready to basically die and be reborn, it could be a miserable process, you know, but with yoga and with uh, other spiritual practices, it's more gradual. Some people are more inclined to gradually do that, you know, rather than go right to the 11th chapter of the Gita right away, you know. So it's, you know, psychedelics are not for everybody. Like you said about Jack Cornfield, you know, there's many doorways to that. And uh, sometimes yoga won't work for someone and psychedelics will, or sometimes psychedelics won't work for someone and yoga will. The point is we're all going to the same place. We're all trying, or, or we are transcending suffering, you know. So how about you speak to this? Now, becoming a supermodel uh, after your spiritual awakening must have uh, been some sort of uh, situation to how did you relate with your spiritual awakening that you had because of yoga and so on, gurus and whatnot, and then when you got into success, worldly success, I'd like you to talk about that because, you know, maybe someone's out there listening that is you know, dealing with these worldly issues of success. Yeah, and thank you for that insight on uh, psychedelics. And, and certainly I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, I was your, um, you know, jock, uh, you know, star athlete who, you know, good student and, you know, saw my future uh, on the basketball court, which I I did. I ended up playing college basketball. When I got to college, uh, I went to Cornell. I ended up majoring in uh, Buddhist and Hindu studies. Uh, I, at, at one point after, in my junior year, I'd come back from a summer of working at the beach, lifeguarding and surfing and having fun. And I got back up to college. I sort of fell into that state of depression and not knowing who I was and what I wanted. I uh, didn't know what I wanted to study. I hadn't changed my major at that point. I was thinking about dropping out and joining a local commune, grow vegetables. Uh, I ended up going to hear a talk, uh, a satsang uh, about the at the time, the 15 or 16 year old perfect master guru Maharaji, uh, I guess he's called Prem Rawat now. And I was immediately uh, swept up. Uh, it was like an eye opening experience. I, I felt an immediate sense of peace and bliss even inside. Uh, and I knew that this was something I had to explore. So I, I became initiated, I got initiated, I moved uh, into the local ashram where we were practicing a lot of meditation, we would have uh, meetings of chanting and bhajans and uh, satsang every night, and we would go see Maharaji and get darshan, and then we would do service, um, which is one of the Maharaji's tenets was that work is worship. Uh, what you do in this world is how you serve your fellow man, how you serve God. Um, just try to choose something that doesn't isn't detrimental to other people. Um, so I I finished up my college degree. I uh, 
went and ended up playing professional basketball in Europe, came back, went, entered graduate school in psychology, uh, ended up having a girlfriend in New York who was a uh, fellow devotee of the Maharaji, and she suggested I should become a model. And I thought, well, what's that? You know, like I had no real clue. I didn't grow up in that sort of environment. And she said, you know, well, you get paid and you can be in the magazines and clothing. And so I went around to all the modeling agencies. They all said, you're not the right look. You're, you know, I had long hair and, uh, you know, forget about it. And uh, eventually uh Somebody, uh, uh, Martha North at Wilhelmina Models, um, sent me to meet Bruce Weber, who uh, was the premier photographer of that time and was shooting Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren and GQ covers. Uh, I, he loved my look. Uh, my mom used to say, you know, how can you be a model? You're a slob and you don't even own a comb. <laughs> And I would, I said, well, that's the look that, that this guy likes. Anyway, I became a very successful working model, which was uh, sort of, uh, you know, nothing that I had set out to do. Um, and that's a world of, uh, it's a fast world, a lot of travel, a lot of parties, a lot of drugs on set, uh, you know, a lot of uh, beautiful people. Um, and I got sort of, I got swept up into a lot of the more superficial aspects of the business and um, kind of lost myself again. And it wasn't until I met my wife, Katrina, uh, you know, another model on a, on a set, uh, model set for, in New York for Cosmopolitan Magazine and she was deeply spiritual person and we decided to settle down and, and, uh, uh, have a family, raise kids and, and, uh, live the day to day. And it becomes a matter of, uh, you know, I've been in this business of modeling and photography and commercial acting for 40 years. Now it becomes a matter of, uh, it's a job like any other job where you're, trying to make a living and do the best you can and be professional. And, and uh, surprisingly, uh, the vast majority of people that I meet in the, in the modeling world, um, in the acting world, are have some sort of spiritual path or practice or very open, usually very uh, uh, positive and uh want the best for the earth and they have foundations and charity work and it's a it's a unique and and very uh uh positive group of people um so that was that was nice to see and be a part of yeah that's that's wonderful to hear that you know uh ram das talks about and be here now like even with a livelihood that's superficial like you were saying or whatever not a uh, good capitalist, all that kind of stuff. You know, you can be conscious in it, and that's what that shows to me. But I do want to get into Prem again, and uh, just uh, I have two things to say. One, first, Prem, 
uh, I got into him for a little while and studied under him and got the knowledge techniques and all that. But I realized that my guru was named Pearl Baba and be here now. And that was my path. Uh, and I got, I'm still into that to this day. The, the podcast called Under the Blanket. But I really have a lot of respect for Prem. I think he is a legitimate spiritual teacher. And I did, I do still sometimes practice the, this knowledge technique called the light technique, where you focus on your third eye. And I find when I am single pointed on that focus, there is a light that fills my inner world and everywhere is light. And it's just like this field of light that's like, you know, experiences I had on psychedelics. And like, it's just, it's a little more disciplined to get there than just taking a pill. But like, it's amazing because then you could, I want to recommend to any listeners, meditation requires more discipline, but it is a, usually for most people a better more effective method for attaining higher consciousness now secondly i want to get into your relationship with ram das because um i actually first read be here now upon my uncle b's recommendation and i would not be such the amazing beautiful person i am today without reading that book and constantly practicing it in my life i don't know where i'd be how miserable i'd be I have a happy, amazing life because of that book. And he's the one that recommended. So I always kind of feel like I owe him and I want to do something good for him one day to pay that back. But I guess you can never pay back the person that showed your guru to you. So, you know, and uh, so, you know, Bruce has read Be Here Now and he's noted Ramdas. So talk to a little bit about, I believe you met Ramdas. Tell about that maybe. Yeah. So I read, uh, be here now uh, in December of 1972, and I remember picking the book up at a uh, girlfriend's brother's house uh, in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, and I could not put that book down. Uh, it, it just was magical and had a profound effect on me uh, of, of everything that Ram Dass's journey is his eloquence and uh, the way he spelled out the spiritual path. I think that had a lot to do uh, when I was later in 73, when I got first introduced to Maharaji and heard that satsang, it was uh, everything that I had read in the book uh, was being expressed in this satsang. So I didn't feel any uh, discrepancy there and, and uh, just an ongoing thing. Uh, the, the Be Here Now is, is something that you can read and reread uh, throughout your life. Now, I was fortunate enough uh, later, well, actually, actually in 73, I got to see uh, Ram Dass uh, in person downtown Philadelphia at the Philadelphia ethical society and I remember he had some music and he spoke and I went with my mom and it was a wonderful uh, uh, experience, a wonderful satsang. Uh, I didn't have any uh, inklings or desire to follow him in particular. I mean, I know he wasn't offering that and nor did I have any particular desire to know more about uh, his guru in India, or, or it just seemed too inaccessible to me. Um, that I had a path that I was working, and it just seemed like 
that was a great path, but it wasn't my path. Um, later in New York, a model buddy, Tommy Preston, uh, was a huge fan of Ramdas and had done a retreat with him. And he, he, he said, he used to call me B. He said, B, you know, we got to go see Ramdas. He's going to be out the Lama Foundation in Taos, New Mexico. You got to come. You know, we got to go see this. You know, it's going to be fantastic. And and uh, he he was a rock climber and a ex football player. He's very enthusiastic. So uh, my wife or my girlfriend Katrina, who later became my wife at the time, uh, myself and Tommy flew out to Taos, New Mexico, and spent. Uh, I think it was a week or 10 days with Ram Dass and uh, Lama Surya Dass. Uh, there was a yoga teacher there, or some other teachers, and, and we did this retreat at the Lama Foundation. And the bus where Ram Dass had written uh, Be Here Now was sitting on the property, and Ram Dass was there. Uh, he would give the talk every night, and we'd all gather in this this building with the sun setting and he would give this wonderful talk we'd sing and but we'd all hang out together like sit and have meals and you know i got to chat with ramdas and uh he looked at my wife and myself at one point and said he looked us deep in the eye and he said you guys are a really far out couple he said just don't fall asleep <laughs> and that's that's the uh challenge in life is that you have these awakenings and then you sort of you know you can get trapped by your desires or you know material pursuits and you forget we're living in a sea of bliss in a infinite universe and our goal here is to become love and to give love and share love and and to open our hearts and open all of our chakras up to the higher power um and so that retreat was fantastic. I got to do a one-on-one -on -one, uh, sit down with Ram Dass and ask him a very personal question, which he just answered, you know, with such heart and love. And then later I got to travel up to um, the next year. I traveled up to Brighton Bush, Oregon, and at the Brighton Bush Hot Springs and did another um week-long retreat with Ram Dass and, and uh, Tommy and, and his girlfriend and my uh, girlfriend, Katrina, and another miraculous thing. So uh, I always feel like Ram Dass is somebody uh, that, you know, he has such a depth intellect and, and somebody who could really capture the essence of the American spirit spiritual seekers uh, dilemma and quest and, and, and put it into words and, and also inspire. And he's always like a step. He always seemed to be a step in front of people, you know, getting into service and getting into conscious aging and everything. He's somebody he's a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And uh, his, his readings are always something to be revisited. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that brought back a story I want to tell. Um, I uh, I told the story about when I met Ramdas already like three times on the show, but I never told the story about the time I skyped with him for an hour. So 
I wrote Ram Dass, well, the foundation, her name was Rachel. She used to work for them. And you could send her, you could donate a little bit and then send her a letter arguing your cases. Why do you want to talk to Ram Dass? So I wrote a really heartfelt letter because I knew that would work, you know, not just be like, give me a talk, you know. So I wrote a really good letter and I'm a good writer. So they obviously agreed, but it took a year and I wrote a year and they had it time scheduled. And I was with Elise at the time, my girlfriend, and we were going through a mess of a relationship. And it was a very difficult time. But, you know, you can't, I can't reschedule it. So we had to talk to Ram. As soon as we started to calm down, we knew we were fighting. And then we were, you know, calming down. We knew we were going to talk to Ram Dass. And when the Skype turned on and there was Ram Dass smiling at us, all that fighting, all that bullshit, all that ego, all our problems went away. It was gone. We were in loving awareness, like he talks about, the ocean of bliss. We, I loved Elise. She loved me. We loved everybody. Ram Dass loved everybody. It was just, and we had an amazing conversation. And he basically just liked to like hear our stories. So we t- I told him about how I got him to be here now. I told him about my dad who went to Red Be Here Now and went to India. And he liked hearing about the baby boomer dad that went to India to find a guru like, you know, he had done. He was kind of like a step ahead. Like he'd go to India, find a guru, then everybody else wanted to do it. And it's funny about that. And, it, you know, and I did ask him about the future of the planet because he doesn't usually talk about the future. He's about the here and now. And he told me, which he doesn't publicly say, but he knew that the world would reach a critical mass of awakening. And he said right now, and that was years ago, it was in pockets of awakening. But eventually uh, nations would dissolve and we'd have a global cooperative system based in consciousness. He had a vision of that. You know, I guess the foundation or he wanted to keep that private, but he told me and Elise, you know, so maybe I'm blowing up a scene here, but he's passed on. I think it's fine to say he was really into that stuff. You know, and I believed him when he was saying that. I felt it was like my guru, Miraji, was talking to me through him saying, look, the world's eventually going to get it together. But don't be hung up on it. Be here now. You know, this is what it's about this moment. So regardless of if the world's going to get better or not, be right here now. That's going to be your best preparation for any sort of future. So uh, at the end, Ram Dass was saying all about being the soul, which is the Jiva Atman, the in- infinite Heart of God. The Jiva Atman is like the individual essence of God that goes into a specific series of incarnations. And he was saying how he was that loving awareness. And I was calling him out. I'm like, Ram Dass, you're copping out. You're playing it small. You are Miraji. And I kept, and he was going back and forth, like playful, like, you know, like, you know, I was trying to be his guru there. And it was great. And he liked the playful dance we had. We were just blissed out of our minds. Then finally, before he hung up, he said, I am Raji. And he said it just like that. He said, I am Raji. And we cracked up, and then he hung up. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, he is, like you said, a beautiful teacher. But now I want to ask you about marriage. So marriage, my guru teaches, is often a block to awakening. Because you might have an awakening when you first meet the person. You fall in love. You find that loving awareness inside. But as time goes on, you have this story that you tell about your relationship. And one person has that story in their head about the relationship. The other person has a story in their head about the relationship. And then they keep building on the story. And it, like, creates this illusion of separation. And it keeps increasing over time, like falling asleep. Like Ram Dass said, 
So how do you avoid that? How do you have spiritual awakening with the difficult uh, karma of marriage? Yeah, that's uh, not easy. Uh, as anybody who's been in a long-term relationship probably knows. Uh, I think one thing you have to, uh, that's helpful is if you try to see your uh, wife or husband as a as your teacher, as your guru. Um, and, you know, don't take things personally so that you're trying to make your life better and, and you're trying to share love and happiness and joy with them and bring more of that into their life. Um, of course, people are different in relationships, running a house, raising kids, dealing with money. Uh, there's always um, brought with difficulties. So it's something that uh, people have to work on every day. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good marriage therapists out there, a lot of good books about uh, uh, relationships. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of resources out there that if you do want to have a successful relationship that, you know, you just, just work at it. And communication is key. Trust is key. Uh, honesty is key. Um, all these things that should be doing anyway uh, with everyone you meet, it's especially important to do that with your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that is beautiful. I couldn't agree more. And in that way, you turn marriage into a spiritual path like Ram Dass talks about relationship yoga. It's a difficult path, but it does work. And, you know. I want to, I thought of something while you were talking about like, you know, how you were saying, see your partner as your guru. Well, you know, I see you as my guru. I really feel that everybody's the guru. So you're just as much the guru as anyone. And one of the most important lessons besides, you know, recommending be here now, one of the most important lessons with that is there was at a certain low in my life. I had just lost my job and I was struggling with living with my parents. And uh, this is many years ago. And I was really to deal with that, talking about God a lot and uh, with everybody. And that was my way of uh, practicing, you know. But you told me, like, which I already knew. I heard from Ramdas many times. But you said in a particular way that struck me as very helpful at that time. You said, hey, Eric, just talk about the eagles. Just talk about what they want to talk about. And it was the people hanging around my dad's shop. They're like racist South Jersey football loving losers, you know. But, you know, see them as God and don't talk like I see you as God. It's all God. It's all one. Let's smoke pot and talk about God. No, it was like, just talk about Eagles. Just talk about the latest game. Just get into that. Just learn to talk their language of South Jersey. You don't have to give into their racism or anything. But just you said, just talk about Eagles football. But on the inside expressing that they're God, you're God, we're all God, it's all God. And so I started doing that. I started always talking with them about the Eagles. I stopped talking with them about politics, about spirituality. And it was very, very good for my practice to talk about something I wasn't interested in at all. Well, I started to like the Eagles a little bit. But anyway, a little I, bit. You I love would the talk Eagles. about it. Talking about what? 
You love the Eagles. What are you talking about? I know, but that's when I started really getting into the Eagles is when you told me that. I made the Eagles and talking about the Eagles and watching the Eagles at that point in my life a spiritual practice. On the inside, I really was communicating God to these South Jersey weirdos. But on the on the outside, I was saying, you know, the Eagles and that player and, you know, that was a nice touchdown. And are they going to beat the Falcons this week, you know? Eric, yeah. on that note, I just got a message from my lovely wife, uh, and I need to contact her. Uh, That's so great. We've reached the end of the show anyway. So perfect. this has been Under the Blanket with your host, Bob Here Love, and guest host, Uncle Bruce. Remember, be here now. Thank you for listening. <laughs>